This week with Voices on the Mountain, we're going to be talking about alcohol, the most used, most ubiquitous and abused drug in the United States. That's right. Maybe sugar, but uh, actually today we're sticking to alcohol. Well, alcohol is kind of a sugar. It is. Yeah. But is it a toxin? Is it a medicine? Does it all just depend on dosage? That's right. All interesting things to get into. Yeah. We always get this question in clinic too. You're like, uh, people are like looking to you to kind of be like, how much should I be drinking? <laughs> uh, what's your answer to that question? Well, I give them options, you know. That's, yeah. That's a big one. Um, and I, I really appreciate that people are thinking about the should instead of just like, I will get hammered every day. It's like, what's the right amount of getting hammered? Of getting <laughs> hammered. <laughs> well, and it's the Dallas thing too, um, to like kind of go out and get hammered. I mean, that's right. Like just like on the mountain kind of get hammered. Yeah. Yeah. Or just well, like everything in moderation, like including moderation. So uh-huh. like the, the act of getting hammered isn't, isn't foreign, isn't, you know, totally out there. Not like you sh- we're not Buddhists, right? We're not saying you can never go out and uh, engage in some debaucherous behavior. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. So moderation means a moderate amount of debauchery as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's an interesting point. But then you might say, well, what's the moderate amount to consume arsenic? (laughs) Oh, well, yeah, something's not even once, you know, math. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Arsenic. (laughs) Although, yeah, I think I told you there's, I I have heard of people ingesting arsenic, small amounts. Well, but don't do it. Yeah. (laughs) Don't don't, don't do it. Not, (laughs) we are in no way uh, putting a stamp on okay of, ingesting arsenic in any amounts yeah exactly there actually is an ancient herb that they used for really insane like really intense stuff maybe some mental stuff but definitely some serious toxicity and it has it's comprised comprised partly of arsenic it's called pishwan yeah and that was a internal uh that's correct they did eat that one what was it called pishwan so then there's like a is an exaggeration, but as a slight aside, I always tell people too for ginger because that's good for a lot of people. It's really good for um, water flow uh, for those non-muggles out there or hard-studying muggles. Um, ginger moves your upper and middle burners. It just doesn't move your lower burner for fluid movement. Um, so then you'd have to combine it with something if you want to get all three. But moving the upper and middle, that's not a bad, bad deal at all. So drinking ginger in your water and like ginger tea for the for the majority of the day is a really good idea. But then there's a phrase that if you drink ginger after the like dinner time, it acts like pi shuang in your body, which is of course an exaggeration. It's not like you just arsenic poisoned yourself. Lots of Chinese people will put, you know, ginger in the evening meal that they're cooking. But the goal is to try not to overdo it uh, past dinner time because it can keep you up at night. And then if you tweak people's sleep bad enough, then that that's no good for the health, right? Yeah, if you're taking it in a high enough dose and you're not balancing out that moving quality, mm-hmm. is the moving quality that we're most... Moving and the kind of the yang activating quality. Yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of the opposite of what we want to do for evening time is like calm, anchor, um, not move and excite. Totally. So alcohol is pretty fundamental to yeah. Chinese medicine. That's right. Uh, I remember... Stephen at one point told me that what the radical of alcohol is in the 
is in the is it in the E or is it in the? It, it is E. Good memory, dude. Did you just nailing your characters like this? That's exactly right. The character E, which means medicine, the bottom uh, radical is alcohol, which tells you it's fundamental to Chinese medicine. Now, how fundamental? I mean, they could have just been swabbing the points. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh yeah, I'm for sure they were swabbing the points after they put the needle in their mouth to clean it. Oh, very good point there too. Very good point. Yeah. But just the idea that, you know, alcohol can uh, clean, sanitize, disinfect a lot of stuff. I'm sure they were cleaning wounds with it and stuff. Mm. And I was thinking too, I mean, just such a great way to pull out the constituents and the tinctures that we use. That's absolutely you know, right. The, the, the jow, the hip fall wine. I mean, just the same one. Yep. Yep. It's incredible. Yeah, we use it all the time. It's like the best solvent because it does um, both kinds. It does hydrophobic and hydrophilic stuff at the same time. Right. Yeah. So it really pulls everything. So a lot of times when people just want tonifiers, then they might do um, hydro. That one's hydrophilic. Um, no, no, phobic. I'm sorry. You can pull that out in a non um, nonpolar substance. Yeah. So that would be the like oils. Yep. Exactly. But you just get everything if you put it in alcohol. So that's why people are like, should I really tinker around with like. Like glycerin would be a good example of a nonpolar solvent, but do you, you know? You, are you sure that it's going to extract in that? So just stick it in alcohol instead. Yeah. yeah, and if you live in the states, alcohol is pretty cheap for for pulling out those types of constituents. That's true. Is it not cheap up your area? <laughs> no, it's pretty expensive. Interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, we should get a still one of these one of these days and, and build it to to make our own. Moonshine, whatever, just for Chinese medicine stuff. I don't of need course, it. Just for medicine. Yeah, yeah, just for this. I'm not ingesting this. Yeah, exactly. No. So we had one professor in school that told us one drink, medicine. Everything after that, toxin. Ah, that's interesting. I like what the point, um, but I would say one drink, maybe medicine if needed, and the key is frequency. So this is another interesting one. Um, there's a ton of good research coming out about this. I think some people listen to the Huberman podcasts too. Those are they have some inform interesting information on there too. I think he's a professor out of one of the schools in California. Um, anyway, uh, for Chinese West medicine, no Western stuff. West? Yeah, Western. Uh, so he'll okay. do like a Jewish doctor. Oh, is Huberman a Jewish name? Oh, dude, the the men gives it away at the end. Really. Everything ending yeah. in men is Jewish? Yeah, all the superheroes are Jewish. Speederman. <laughs> Speederman. Speederman. <laughs> Superman. Huntman. Yeah. No, but for real, a lot of them are written by Jews. Um, and yeah, like uh, Zimmerman and... Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Interesting. Bobby Hoffman. I mean, yeah. Mm. Well, Huberman um, is... He gets some good information too, yeah. He does have an alcohol episode. I recommend everyone listen to that if they want to drink alcohol. Because it gives them a good Western basis on like what should they be. <laughs> so, if they want to drink alcohol, it's a pretty good plug. If you ever want to drink alcohol, right? Exactly. Listen to this one. Continue. <laughs> well, because I think a lot of people, you know, everyone listening to our thing is like trying to figure it out from the Chinese medicine perspective. But then right. it's also helpful for a lot of people who haven't had this background to know what the Western side is, kind of like what is it doing and all those sorts of things. 
Well, he reiterates pretty much what we would say in, in our medicine as well is that, you know, even a drink a day, pretty toxic on the body. It can be pretty mm. harsh. And so like, uh, yeah, a drink when, when that teacher had said one drink medicine, the rest toxic. Yeah, but not even daily. Right. And so then you'd say, okay, well, from our perspective, I guess we could break it down first with what is alcohol. So from our perspective, alcohol is damp heat. It's literally damp heat. So who shouldn't be doing it? Damp people, hot people, damp hot people. And who, who, who can do it? Cold, dry people. Cold, dry people might like it a lot, actually. But damp heat, if you've got either or both of those um, toxins or pathogenic factors at work in your body, probably not great. So that's number one. It's damp heat. It's nature, very moving and dispersing. That's the medicinal part of it. Mm. Um, and what it's moving is an interesting one. Most alcohol just moves young. But from our perspective, red wine can also move blood. So most of it just moves young, and red wine also moves blood. And this is an interesting idea. Yes, if you move young, sometimes you circulate blood with it, as long as there's no blockages. And then the third thing about, or the one other directionality component too, is it tends to move young, most notably in your chest. Mm, and because sure. of that, it's actually used in certain formulas. And then the third thing we want to know about it, like kind of fundamental stuff is which organs it's affecting. And the key there is stomach liver. Of all the organs that it's affecting, stomach liver the most. And so when you really see people um, drinking too much, full alcoholism, even recovering alcoholics, check the stomach and liver with extra care and attention and nine times out of 10, that's where the issue is. Um, so like a good, here's a good example pathologically is, um, have you ever heard of brandy nose? I always think of brandy wine. Um, it's like rosacea. It's on the tip of the nose, yeah. Mm -hmm. Break? Do they break or do they just get red? Oh man, they get more than red. They, t they like swell and like it looks like a tumor or a bazillion tumors on the end of their nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's really remarkable. If you've never seen, that's a really good thing. I always recommend people to go to China. Even, you know, I probably spent too long there. <laughs> I'm not telling people to like dedicate 11 years of their life to do anything. But, um, but you know, even if you just go for a couple of weeks, you will see like some weird severity of cases that you just cannot see here. Like psoriasis. I saw a dude who had 70% of his body was covered in psoriasis. Literally purple, scaly, flaky, dry probably cracking and bleeding, 70% of his entire body. The crazy thing is that dude sat down uh, at my, my, you know, across from my teacher, my herbs master, and I literally like audibly heard my herbs master be like, okay, let's get this. You know, like you, <laughs> you, you heard him like pep himself up. And the guy, first thing he says is, so, um, of course in Chinese, right? He's like, so my tummy's been hurting. And my teacher like laughed at me. He's like, you got to be kidding me. Like he literally pointed at the backside of his pen. He's like, you don't want to treat this? <laughs> and the guy's like, ah, this? You should see what it does in the summer. And we're like, dude, you have 30% of your skin left, man. Like if you do any, do any more, you are a purple dragon. Like you would either be children's best friend or worst enemy. I don't know. Purple, right? Barney. Yeah. He turned into Barney immediately. Wow. Uh, but when's the last time you ever saw someone with seventy percent of their body? I mean, it was on his, the back of his head. I didn't see a ton on his face, neck, arms, uh, feet, everything, yeah. know, legs. So like, you just don't get to see psoriasis like that here. Well, another example would be this brandy nose or this kind of nose rosacea, 
where it gets like knobbly and like it literally looks like tumory because it's like it's or like a like a polycystic ovary right on his nose kind of thing. Yeah, I can think of like the old hits that would drink a lot and them having those. A yeah, couple of those like gross on their nose. Yeah, no. and it's just like the entire front of it, right? It's like an alcoholic Rudolph or something. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, so how does the pathology of the alcohol create the brandy nose? So that's the biggest cause of it, and I think Western medicine's on board with that too. I'm, I'm pretty sure I heard this from PA um, that Western medicine just doesn't know how to treat that, or just does chooses not to treat that, or something, or. Um, but I think they're at least on board that alcohol is a huge component of it. And for us, that's so true. So this guy, it was an older dude. Um, and for those of you who have been to alcohol or been to alcohol, been to China, like in modern China, right? Uh, it's super alcoholy. Uh, the older they get, the more they drink. Um, mm. yeah, the old dudes and they, they drink like, like Everclear stuff, like 70, 80% alcohol stuff. Firewater. Oh, it's been, it stinks. They made me drink it sometimes too. And I was like, guys, no more. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't, don't hang out with old dudes unless you really want to get, get blasted. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so th- this guy clearly had just had a habit of drinking too much his whole life. Um, and he comes in and my teacher gave him like a raw herb decoction. So full strength, right? And my teacher did not shy away from large doses. That's why people here think I have large doses. I was like, you want to see large doses? Check out my herbs master. But I'm not joking. In one week, it went down like 40%. Like he, he, oh, It looked like you could see his actual nose skin on the front right. after one week of full strength herbs. But I've just never seen anything react that fast. And it was lots of stuff. But one of the key herbs in there was shergal, which is really effective at um, clearing stomach fire. Okay. Yeah. And so it's the stomach fire that's rising up and doing it to the nose. Correct. Correct. Gotcha. Um, and I guess I would preface that we don't treat diseases, so we, we would want to separate syndromes, but I've never seen one that's not stomach fire for that. So sometimes it's kind of like shingles. It's like well, there's a couple of diseases you're like, you know, it's liver. It's got to be liver. Yeah. Hepatitis. It's, yeah, exactly. It's still just liver. But then, you know, some people will be like, oh, well, then how do you treat nephritis? And you're like, no, no, you can't do that. Cheat transformation is way too complicated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so that's a good one. And then the second one is the alcohol bit um, for the liver. And just like Western medicine knows, there's that component as well. Um, and so a lot of, you'll see this with just people who have kind of pushed their um, tolerance to the edge. Um, who then are very susceptible to it. So if they drink even just a couple drinks, maybe um, they'll have like full night sweats all throughout the night and so forth. And that just means they've probably built up a lot of damp heat stagnation, um, which is funny because damp heat doesn't cause night sweats. It really doesn't. I've heard that. Have you uh-huh. heard? Of, does the Choch talk about that? I don't know if it was Machocho or if it was just in going around school, but absolutely. You know, uh, inefficiency heat being the most common night sweat presentation, like uh, menopause. Yes. But uh, they they did say damp heat could also be it. But I figured that was always going to be a less intense sweat, like a clamminess at night. Uh-huh. Um, it was insomnia type thing, not like an active sweat. Yeah. And I've just never heard in any classic reliable source that damp heat causes night sweats. I've heard that a lot since I came back, though. 
But here's the trick. And this is a little bit of, it sounds like a nuance, but it's really not, is damp heat in the liver gallbladder settles into the blood pretty darn fast. And blood heat is probably one of the two most common causes of night sweats. And that's ah, because so, the liver stores the blood. So we're going to get there, but just through the liver and the gallbladder. Correct. Correct. So it's like if you had damp heat in your intestines, no way. Are you kidding? How are you going to sweat from that? No night sweats at all. But if it's stampede in the liver because the liver stores the blood, now you see it. And that's actually why um, the number one cause, I would say, at least in America, of blood heat is stress. When people stress their liver out and it gets stuck, unless they have very little yang, they'll generate heat pretty darn fast. And that heat then is stuck heat in the liver gallbladder. Well, just like we said, the liver stores the blood. So given any length of time, it just drops right into the blood. Right. Well, let's, let's take that stress person from the beginning. You know, they, hmm. they have stress. They have a hard time winding down at the end of the day or whatever the case may be. And so they are habituated to, to have a drink at the end of the day. True that. Because the highly moving nature of yes. alcohol is going to give them temporary relief from their stress symptoms. True and true. Yeah. But here's a trick. They're still going to get damp heat in their liver. Yeah. Oh, totally. And so, they're not going to uh, build up the tools to kind of deal with this stuff. Otherwise, this is basically when I was in school, my roommate was uh, he co-founded a rehab center up mm. in Evergreen, Colorado. Mm -hmm. Nice. Uh, yeah, it was a really cool one called Sparrow. It's all peer-to-peer -peer kind of stuff. Very mm -hmm. neat. Um, and I would help out there and help treat some of these guys uh, in like a community acupuncture setting. So I got to see a lot of addicts, not just alcohol. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, heroin would be the other big one. But just watching people kind of come off of their of their substance abuse yeah. um, and past like the the immediate acute stage where they're they're not getting out of bed and they're just like in dire straits. Yeah. But still, after that, there's tons of heat and there's totally a lack of. Uh, of being able to like handle emotions or all, all the things that you would have had to do in the first place. But then you kind of lean on alcohol to self-medicate to get through that. And I was like, Oh, this is you know, so clear heat and deal with the dampness. And so, so true, dude. So true. Um, you bring up so many good points. Let me, let me pull out two. So I don't diatribe people's ears off, but that kind of resilience um, that, that you're saying that they didn't have, that they kind of used alcohol to, to go against, like, or like to kind of you know, cheat their way through stuff. Um, that resilience for us is mostly in the middle burner. And so the best way to resist stress, right? We can't, unless you're going to go monk, you can't like eradicate stress. But you, and then people are like, well, just change how stress affects you. Yeah, but how do you do that from our perspective? Middle burner. This is all spleen and stomach. When the middle burner is strong, um, the liver, could even stop transporting for a little bit, you'd be fine. You won't get stagnating. You won't get stomach fire. Um, obviously, you can't shut down a liver gallbladder forever and for, expect it to be fine. But the momentary changes in stress are much less, um, you're much less susceptible to anything turning pathological. So, middle mm -hmm. burner is kind of like our anchor, like that, you know, uh, provides us resilience to things. The second thing is for um, especially addicts of all kinds. Um, alcohol does do this, heroin more so, and even weed does this, um, which is heart-kidney connection. Super important. Yeah. 
Yeah. And in a way like the, um, cause I see this a lot too with the, if you started young where maybe your heart kidney connection was like, you know, still figuring itself out, still coming to like figure out its own homeostasis or its own like way of working. Yep. And if you threw in a substance abuse issue there or just start using them, then you'd never get that. And like, it's not like you can go back to it. Yeah. Like, Oh, I'll buy, remember how to do this. It's like, no, you have to relearn. But now as like a 30 year old and boy, is that tricky. Um, so, so true, dude. Yeah. And then, and I think, like you said, that's probably a big reason why people relapse so often, right? Yeah. Cause they're oh, like, well, I stopped the thing. Why don't I feel better? Yeah. But you stopped the thing and you got to where you were when you started using alcohol and drugs for those reasons. Exactly. I was so shocked in the beginning. I was like, these guys are like eight year olds, you know, yeah. and then and 12 year olds. And then I was like, oh, that's when these guys started to use. And so like, that's where their maturity level is. Yeah. Um, I wanted to say one more thing about the middle burner because uh, I'm always a huge fan of the lungs and breathing and we left it out, but the lungs do start in the, in the middle jowl. Yeah, um, man. What that the lung and the diaphragm then are going to have a, a an, an influence, a, a movement property there and keeping things healthy and moving. Oh, uh, exactly. Yeah. Heck yeah, dude. You just, you hit on such a key point. First of all, why qigong and breathing is so important. Right? It doesn't just move our blood. It doesn't just move our lungs. It moves, like you said, our digestion. And secondly, this, this is a never ending point for me is learn your channels, dudes. Learn your channels. <laughs> Like, uh, I get so many blank stares when I'm talking about lung one for digestive purposes. I'm like, guys, that's where the channel starts. That's what the name of the point means. Like, yeah. Oh, Jung. Jung Fu means middle Fu organ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it's a different Fu, but it, that's what it means. Yeah. Oh, man. Dude. <laughs> uh, opinion is so hard. Um, okay. But yeah, so the so lungs also being a, a major player in this. Yeah. Okay. You bet. So, and then there's also a difference in um, types of alcohol. Should we roll on that? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. I was going to be like, so, you know, we call whiskey fire water. That oh. one's very, very fiery. That's and true. Then, that does fit our, our analysis. Yeah. That was a, a Dr. Malati thing. I was like, I'm having trouble sleeping. She's like, what do you drink? I'm like, whiskey. <laughs> She's like, maybe not so much on the whiskey. I'm like, but I like whiskey. Um, <laughs> and it's tricky. Um, so other, I'm assuming all hard alcohols are going to be pretty hot, but are there less hot ones? So basically, I like to separate it. In, um, I'm also not the connoisseur of alcohol here, but I like to separate it into the big three. So like the beers, the hard alcohols, and uh, the wines. So when you're talking about hard alcohol, it is exactly right. Think more heat, less uh, damp. More heat, less damp. So we know they're all damp heat, but it's more heat, less damp. And we know this for two reasons. Obviously, it's effect on the body, but it burns when it goes down. It is fire water. And it's clear. The clearer it is, generally, the less damp it'll be. Um, not to make people, well, I don't know, maybe stop, make people stop drinking alcohol, but um, not to use a, a metaphor... <laughs> Uh, that they might not like, but kind of think about the pee-pee, right? When the pee-pee is cloudy, you know something is afoot. <laughs> <laughs> and it's dampness, right? So, yeah. yeah. So the same idea, because it's clear, because it's uh, spicier, more hot, 
us, Dan. Now, when it comes to like which hard alcohol, like you're talking like whiskey, tequila, vodka, that sort of thing. Yeah, gin. Um, we would say it really doesn't matter which one. It just matters how strong. So I think the standard is like 80 proof, 40% for most of those. Yeah. Um, but if you look back at ancient China, they, they could never get even close to 80 per 80 proof. Um, That's probably like 20%, 40 proof. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And that was the good stuff. That was the, what, what they call like Qingjiu, like the clear alcohol, because as it ferments further, it gets clearer and clearer. The more you distill it. The less damp. We'll wrap back around to that in that's, a little bit. That's exactly right. Um, which is also the, the so it's like takes longer to make. It was higher quality. Um, it was less damp. It was also the ones that you would um, give to elders and the ones that you would use for like um, rituals and stuff. Is that like medicinal rituals as well or just spiritual rituals? Both. Yeah, like so offerings, but then also um, some Shanghan Lun formulas ask to use Qingzhou. Um, and put it in when you're cooking it. So this is a really fascinating idea. This is truly medicinal too, which is we talked about it being a great solvent. If you cook your herbs, your raw herbs in alcohol or alcohol mixed with water, doesn't matter if it's pure or not, um, the higher the rate of concentration of alcohol, just the faster the extraction. But if you cook it in both, you're actually going to extract more stuff. So that's pretty cool. The second thing is it moves in the chest really well. Now, specifically, we're talking about yang moving formulas here. So there's a classic formula. Shout out to uh, more Shanghan Lun formulas. This one is called um, Gua Lo Xie Bai San or Gua Lo Xie Bai Ban Xia Tang. Um, anyway, anyway, the key is it has to have Gua Lo Xie Bai and Bai Jiu. Bai Jiu is the word for um, just like kind of Chinese vodka or rice wine. Um, it literally means white alcohol. It doesn't mean white wine. The word Jiu is really alcohol, not wine. But yeah. And this is what we would know as sake. That's correct. It basically is sake. That's right. Um, and that's the one that you cook that formula in. And this is a really interesting formula because it's used for yang blockages in the chest due to dampness. So then people would say, well, then why are you putting alcohol in something like that? Well, you're putting the spicy stuff because you want the movement. You want to activate the yang, but you're actually cooking it. And so you, they cooked all the alcohol off. Like I'm, yeah. Ancient cooking processes were quite, you know, quite took quite a long time. But the key is you're putting it with a really good yang mover, xie bai. It's just like a weirdly powerful green onion. Um, so just like shanyao, I call it the super potato. Goji berries, I call it the super raisins. This is the super onion, super scallion. Mm, nice. <laughs> and then guaolo is really, really good at clearing um, fluid, uh, damp stagnation out of the chest. So dampness and phlegm and so forth. So with this, I mean, this is a cool formula. If you diagnose it right as like a cold, damp blockage in the chest, mm -hmm. one round of this formula can like, it can take people out of like a tachycardia that they've been having for years. Hmm. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. You just got to diagnose it right. So while we're on using the hard alcohols to treat things in the chest. Yeah. Um, I know lots of people that swear by the uh, like shot of whiskey to get over a cold or flu that mm. starts coming on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So warm and warm. it's cold that works and lots of moving. Correct. Uh, and then is it just if you hit it early enough that you can get away with this type of thing? And then, you know, if, if you were more sick and more damp, it, it wouldn't work nearly as well? Correct. So if it was like really early, not very, not, not damp at all, it might work. 
Yeah. But if it is damp, you're really going to punch yourself in the gut there. <laughs> um, much more effective than that would just be hot, like strong ginger tea. Yeah. No, they'll do it with, especially like the ranchers I know out here, they'll do it with ginger, lemon. Yeah. Whiskey. Yeah. That's their, that's their thing. And if one doesn't work, then they double down. <laughs> Which one are they doubling though? <laughs> Everything. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ginger lemon is a pretty cool combo. It's kind of a cool Western combo. In China, we would do ginger red date. The Chinese mm. jujubes or red dates. Both good. It's true. Um, lemon juice can actually nourish yin. So that's useful. Um, it's just not quite as powerful as the red date. Because the red date's actually like going to help you produce the yin and the lemon's just going to consolidate yin that you have. Interesting point. They, they both do produce. Okay. Um, you're right. Lemon will con- uh, astringe and consolidate some, um, but it also does. Th- this goes back to like a Guajertang principle, which is that if you combine sweet with uh, sour, you generate yin, and sweet with pungent spicy acrid, you generate yang. Whoa. Okay. Man. All right. Well, there's a little plug for herbs. <laughs> and if you didn't catch that, go back and re-listen to it. Um, yeah. Very excited to do herbs with you next yeah. year. Um, get into more of those flavors. And now the flavor combinations, I had no idea. Yep. Awesome. But sweet and sour is a huge thing uh, in, in Chinese food. It is true. What was the other one? Was sweet and acrid? Yeah, the the word acrid is it's a. Uh, I always use the the trio pungent spicy acrid because it's the same word in Chinese xin. Um, so like pungent would be onion, spicy would be like anything hot pepper, and acrid would be something closer to like maybe like a cinnamon or something. Um, okay. Or I guess that one would be the onion. Pungent maybe then would be the cinnamon. So if you think about like cinnamon, onions, and chili peppers. Is garlic in there too? Or yeah, no? garlic's in there. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So we put all that into one flavor. I like to call it the moving flavor because it really does move. And people kind of know what that means. It's like the one that's zooming around on the tongue, right? Yeah. No, it evokes an image. Yeah. And why not use images to help communicate? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like a different category. And it's got, we've had this classic phrase. I don't know, it's also herbal stuff, but we have a classic phrase, xin neng xing which means like the, this pungent spicy acrid, everything has this flavor, has a moving quality to it. Ah, the spicy acrid and the, was it sweet That's to right. get the generating young? Correct. So you're moving, but then you're also tonifying a little bit of, or generating a little bit of fluids to like keep the movement there and not just move it out. That's right. That's right. So the fluids are generated by the inside and then they're moved by the yang side. This is what I like to refer to as boost and move. Um, when anyone steal my DJ name out there, I don't know how to DJ, but I plan to at some point. And when I do, I'm DJ Boost and Move. Uh-huh. Boost and Move? Boost and nice. Move, man. Are you, is it going to be a mobile G- DJ spot? <laughs> it will be. It'll be mobile and we'll just like throw out little packets of Guajer Tongue to the crowd and shit. Oh, nice. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if the crowd's going to get it. That's be a very specific crowd <laughs> to understand that. Otherwise, maybe just get some booster chairs. Ooh, um, dude. Okay, okay. Or some wheelchairs. It's got a booster. It's got to move. One or the other. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's the key principle. So here the idea is, yeah, uh, lemon's not bad. 
um, lemon juice or lime juice, they work the same. So you would just cook the hot ginger tea once it's done cooking for like maybe 10 or 20 minutes, then squeeze some lemon or lime juice in the end. That is a good way so that you don't over dry. So the one downside of ginger tea all the time or anything else is that you're moving fluids, but what are you moving at a certain point? Hence, you got to boost a little before, you know, while you move it. Stick around. We have some more content coming your way. Definitely not about the topic this week, but it is hosted by your one and only DJ Boost and Move. Uh, and then the red date combo. Oh, man. I really think like there's so many things um, that that can really do, but that that's a very gentle way of what we call harmonizing the yin and the way. Mm. Um, yeah. And this is, oh my gosh, I'm going to take a slight aside. Sorry, muggles. We're going off. Um, but this is an annoying combo of words that really plagues Chinese medicine. Because if you ask anyone who's ever been through herbs and they'll be like, oh, I haven't studied in 20 years, or I just got out. You ask them what Guizhou Tang will do, and they should know, even still to this day after 20 years. They'll be like, got it. That one harmonizes the yin and the way. And you're like, great. What does harmonizing the yin and the way mean? It harmonizes the yin and the way. Um, <laughs> and then they're like, so it makes the yin and the way work together? Or Are we talking about the fluids then? Yeah, that's exactly it. So when we say harmonize the yin and the way, there's actually much more useful. And the Shang Lun describes it word for word. You nourish the yin nutritive fluids and you move them by rectifying the flow of the wei qi so when you harmonize the yin and the way it means nourish the yin and rectify the flow of the way way defensive for those people keeping track at home and then so are then are we also saying in this that the wei qi is responsible or has influence over the movement of yin qi Partly, but also if the Wei Qi is chaotic, is if it's moving in a chaotic way um, and been disordered, specifically due to wind, then you'll be leaking yin nutritive out of your pores by spontaneously sweating at the wrong time. And then it's like, you're, then it's like trying to fill up a broken bottle, right? Leaky bucket. Yeah. Le- you think? <laughs> I knew there was a metaphor in there somewhere. Yeah. The old leaky you. bucket. That's right. So stop the leaky, fill the bucket. That's what it means. Got it. Because then also then you get better movement through where you're trying to go. That's exactly right. So externally you stop the leaky, but internally, just like you said, it's true. The way does help the yin move, just like the qi helps the blood move, just like the yang helps the yin move. Um, but you know that that brings up an interesting like treatment-wise question. We never just move the yang to move the blood. Like if you think about points, even right. We wouldn't just be like, oh, well, I'm going to circulate your gallbladder and liver chi, and then everything else will be fine. Well, if there really is blood stasis, why not just pick blood moving points, right? Right. Which are on more yin parts of the body. Good point. There are more yin parts of the body, and this is a fascinating one. Gosh, we are we might- way off topic. <laughs> That's cool. Keep going. That's great. <laughs> Let it fly. Boost and move, baby. Boost and move. <laughs> Well, check this one out. So you know where the, the blood master point is. Is way high or? Or the, 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 with the eight influential master points. Like the. Yeah. We, <laughs> I, I should. It's the ge shu, like the diaphragm shoe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what's UB17? Uh, yeah, I think so. It's in where the liver should be, but then the liver hopped one. Oh, I like so dude, you always answer my question. You're so good, dude. 
Impressive. So you ever wonder why in the world is the diaphragm point the blood master point? How does that make any sense? Because it's right above the liver. <laughs> right above the liver and right below what? Um, the spleen. No, Close. not spleen. The Five. heart? Exactly. Yeah, the heart. <laughs> yeah. So if you think about um, who stores the blood, right, liver, who moves the blood and regulates the blood, heart. So it's a blood master point. And you actually bring up a really good point too, which is here we can kind of lump spleen and stomach t- or spleen and liver together. So spleen makes the blood, liver stores the blood, heart regulates, which basically moves the blood through the smaller vessels. Yeah. But okay, so then just because we're here and on the what's called the diaphragm issue. Heck yeah. Um back to that diaphragm and that lung component. Yeah. You know, and its role in and just making everything move properly. Correct. And when it comes to blood, we like to think about it like this. And channel chi, actually. Blood and channel chi the same way. Lungs are the big first push. And then the for blood, the vessels, when we say the, the heart is the master of the vessels, what we mean is it's do it does all the little pushes after that. So if you think about like the artery moving, that's that's blood vessels. That's heart. But that big first push, we don't attribute to the heart, we attribute it to the lungs. How about capillary movement? Because from a Western perspective and someone that I like to follow named Katie Bowman, if anyone's interested uh, in her work of of movement Mm -hmm. and getting different types of and a variety of movement into the body, um, she's got great uh, literature out there. In some of her work, she talks about how the capillaries are more... Uh, managed by by the movement around them than they are the heart pumping. And one of the pieces of evidence she had for that was capillary space, if you add it all all up in the body, uh, it equals the amount of liters of blood that you have. And so like if it was just the heart that was pumping it into the capillaries, then then you would have no blood (laughs) in your system. They would all be in the capillaries and it would pop out. If your capillaries can go back, you know, basically there's way too much space in all your capillaries combined. Right. Um, for you to, for your heart to, to be the sole responsibility one. Right. And the, the reason she brought that up was for people who have diseases where they say, oh, you need to increase blood flow in the area. And they say, oh, go do cardio. She's like, actually, the cardio is not going to help you. It's not going to not help. You know, you're right. going to increase blood movement around the whole body. But if you're, if we're trying to increase blood flow in a specific area that's not on a major highway, you're going to need to do different movements to, to get that blood there. Heck yeah. We vibe on all that, yeah. And I think, you know, the Western, I think Western medicine got this part right too, which is that um, just like you said, if, if all of our capillaries open at the same time, we'd all pass out immediately. <laughs> be hilarious. That'd be a great Superman power. Just like right. the blood vessel opener. Vessel man. <laughs> and just like he touches people and they fall down because like, oh, where did all my blood go? Well, um, or if you could control where the blood vessels would go, because then you just shut off the brain, and boom, bye, see you later. And like, it's like a bloodbender. Ooh, yeah, bloodbender, nice. Oh, god. Yeah. yeah, if you get if he's like tired of you, he'll just like make all the blood go to the tip of your nose or something. And, <laughs> um, so from our perspective, so oh yeah, so Western medicine, I think even says this. They're saying like it's shunting. So a lot of your vessels are closed. Eighty percent, I think, or so is the number are closed most of the time. And then your body just rhythmically like alternates which ones are open and which ones are closed to try and fuel everything. But just like you mentioned, some of the shunts get stuck. 
um, and some areas just don't get enough blood. And from our perspective, that really comes down to three major, boy, we are really rolling. We might have to make a sub, someone. Anyway, we'll come back to alcohol. (laughs) But when it comes to this one, we actually focus on the three biggies. So Western medicine would probably, I assume, focus on blood flow for, you know, just macro to micro, kind of bigger vessels to smaller vessels. But here, I think we really do take the cake on it because we focus on three different things, the flow of blood, the flow of chi, and the flow of fluids. So blood, when it gets stuck, is stasis. Chi, when it gets stuck, is stagnation. And fluids, when it gets stuck, is dampness. Damp. Damp. And so check out, like, uh, for those of you who treat Raynaud's patients and stuff, see how many of them don't respond to the blood movers. See how, how many of them don't respond to the chi movers. And what do they usually respond to then? The damp. The damp blo- poppers. The, the fluid blo- movers. Busters. Fluid movers and the damp busters. That's right. Okay. Um, and sometimes it's really just a very small amount of those that will really shift the, the uh, efficacy of a whole formula. So, yeah, we do great with that one. Do Raynaud's patients not have, because I mean, just seeing Raynaud's patients, they, they look blood deficient most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I mean, some of them, like, you, you know, you see the tongue and you're like, whoa, that's actually redder, maybe even blood heatier than we want. Um, and so those people, and, you know, there are also some telltale signs, like some Raynaud's patients only get like the, um, the symptom flare up, which is like white, sometimes it turns like full white waxy, like it looks like their fingers are just like waxed, like yeah. kind of like a wax doll kind of thing. Uh, but sometimes it's not just cold that flares it. So some people, just the colder it gets, the more it flares. That's pretty standard. So that's, you know, it's more like chi and blood stuff there. But if it, if they get like right around like the 40s, not super cold, 40s like Fahrenheit. Um, sorry, I don't know why I said that because for all the Celsius listeners out there. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I was just in Celsius land. So exactly. <laughs> I was, in China, I was there long enough where I was like, actually, it's a pretty good system. I like Celsius. But uh, anyway... Like 40 is not that cold, right? So, and yet when it's like 40 and damp, these people really flare. I mean, that is not useless diagnostic information. But the problem is most people don't ask that question. If you hear Raynaud's, a lot of people, a lot of practitioners are like, okay, cold makes us worse. Well, you got to check. And yeah, cold probably makes it worse. But does damp make it worse? So check humid conditions or what kind of cold. Some people are like, yeah, my Raynaud's is actually fine at like 20 degrees. It's just bad at 40. That's not usually cold constricting. That's so things like damp, blocking, and so forth. Totally. Yeah. That's it for this week. Come back next week. We will at least start our conversation about alcohol. Who knows where it will go? Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe, and share this content with all your drinking buddies. <laughs>